How you get so much favor on your side? Accept the measure, Lord and Savior, I replied. What's going on, guys? Just another critic here. Welcome back to the channel. We're getting into my week 13 college football predictions, starting here with the Penn State Nittany Lions going to the shoe to play the Ohio State Buckeyes. 10-0 right now, 7-0 in conference. Penn State 9-1, 6-1 in conference. For those of you betting on this game, Penn State is 5-5 against the spread. Ohio State 8-2 against the spread. Also, side note, they are also undefeated against the spread. Actually, they are 9-1. Excuse me, 9-1 against the spread in the first half. Um, this Rutgers, this past game versus Rutgers, they honestly should have covered. It was 34.5, had a bad beat. Um, but hey, that's what happens sometimes. But yeah, when they're playing all their starters for 60 minutes, they're going to cover um, 80% of the time and 90% of the time in the first half on the season. Right now, the number is sitting at 18 in favor of Ohio State. Over-under is at 56 and a half. Now, quickly taking a look at the statistics, Penn State averaging 36 points per game, defense allowing 13 points per game, and offense is averaging 253 through the air, 173 on the ground, while the defense is allowing 240 through the air and 75 on the ground. Taking a look at Ohio State, averaging 51 points per game, defense allowing just 9 points per game, while the offense averaging 254 through the air and 287 on the ground. Defense is just allowing 126 through the air and 90 on the ground. Starting with Penn State, just a few weeks ago, this was seen as one of the most elite defenses in college football. But over the past two weeks, there's kind of been a downtrend in this team. Even maybe even going back to the Michigan game is where we saw it. It's a vulnerability that I talked about when talking about the Penn State versus Michigan matchup. And I, I've continued to hammer on it. My whole argument, the basis of my argument is basically that while Penn State is very athletic and quick and fast at the point of attack on the defensive front, they also sacrifice that for size. And so when you're facing a team that likes to go downhill and really just pound the ball at the line of scrimmage, that's what Michigan committed more to doing in the second half of that game. And they saw a lot of success going for 141. Uh, Minnesota had some success and they're really just dominant at the line of scrimmage overall and the pass rush was a non-factor the pass rush of Penn State was a non-factor Indiana going for 371 just a week ago again the pass rush wasn't really a big time factor it's not something that's difficult to take a look at the statistics and point out or even just go back and watch the game, right? Whenever you're allowing people to go over 300 plus passing yards against your defense, um, of course, you're going to look at the secondary, but that starts with the with, with your pass rush because your guys, you can have the best corners and DBs in the country, but if you cannot disrupt the quarterback's timing and pressure the quarterback, it's going to be very difficult for any corner or any DB safety, whatever you want to call them to cover their guy for over you know three four five six seven seconds that's just ridiculous um and that's something that you can't really ask of your guys because that's that's nearly impossible impossible to do now we know what these guys are capable of um when they're playing at their best right but they haven't pl- they haven't been playing at their best um it's it's been a consistent downtrend like i've talked about 
Um, there's a lot of guys on this defense that I like, right? You got uh, YGM, you got uh, Micah Parsons, John Reed, another guy I really like. But John Reed also struggled in the Minnesota game and, and just a week ago as well. I understand that sometimes teams play down to a lower team's level, right? That happens in sports a lot. But the way that it's just been a consistent downtrend on this defense, um, because even starting with the Iowa game, allowed 286 through the air, Michigan 276, and that just kept getting higher and higher as the season's gone along. And I'm not even sure it's fair to say that they're just getting, you know, exposed or there's a blueprint now to this defense. I think it's a combination of them not playing up to their their best and their highest level uh, combined with uh, also teams being able to find vulnerabilities in the secondary um, and in this defense in general. Now, the reason I've talked so much about this defense in this particular, you know, matchup is because really the Penn State defense has kind of been the calling card of this team, right? They were the number one defense at one point, the number two, top five, top 10, right? And they've just been consistently trending down as I've talked about. And if if we switch sides and take a look at the offense, they're not they're not necessarily putting up a lot of points, right? And so this defense is having to come up clutch in big time situations um, because of the you know the amount of production that they're not getting from this offense, right? We take a look at Iowa, seventeen points; Michigan, twenty eight points; Michigan State, twenty eight points; uh, Minnesota, twenty six points; Indiana, thirty four points. These are decent amount of points. Um, but their defense is having to make big stops. And when the defense doesn't make those stops that they're used to getting from their defense, they're being put on their heels and being put into uncomfortable situations. Um, Sean Clifford, that was always going to be the biggest question mark about this team, right? We knew the defense was going to be athletic. We knew they had guys, quote unquote, guys with the stars and everything on paper looked good. We look at the offense. They've got the guys at the skilled positions. They've got great running backs, wide receivers, KJ Hamler, um, but the quarterback, right? What what were what was Penn State going to get this season? What was this football team going to look like without Trace McSorley? Because I think people really really undervalued just what Trace McSorley meant to this football team a season ago. Um, he literally carried this team during his time at Penn State. Of course. While Saquon Barkley was there, Saquon played a big part. But even when Saquon left, just look at the amount of production that Trace McSorley put out. And just take a look at some of the close games that he's pulled them through, some of the big games that he showed up in. He was just always big time, always clutch, and always the guy to show up when uh, they needed a big play. Um, but yeah, with that being said, moving along, they, Penn State, they they were hoping that right Sean Clifford could be that guy. Um, and Sean Clifford, he just isn't that guy. All right. He just isn't that guy. Um, yes, he has good straight line speed. He's just not as agile as McSorley was, or he's just really not as big of a playmaker as McSorley was either. Uh, McSorley knew how to spread the ball around. It seems like, well, it doesn't seem like it's very obvious that Sean Clifford, he's just really solely stuck on um, KJ Hamler. He loves to target KJ Hamler, which isn't a problem. You want to get the ball to your playmakers. I understand that. But you've got to spread the ball around, um, keep the defense honest, and keep them on their heels. And it's just—it's something that he's had success with when playing lesser opponents. But any time he's played better opponents, the Iowas, the Michigans, the Minnesotas, or the the Indianas, he struggled. 
He's just not clutch right now. And I get it. He's young. He's a, he's a sophomore quarterback. I get it. Um, and I think he's done a lot of great things in the season. He hasn't done those things consistently. And he's just not playing well in big-time situations. We saw that in the Minnesota game, throwing three interceptions, two in the red zone, one right outside of the red zone. He's just been very inconsistent. He's been very indecisive as well as inaccurate when guys are breaking open or trying to hit guys in tight windows. It's not like there isn't opportunities. There's he's there. This offense is creating a lot of opportunities for him. His wide receivers are creating separation. I understand he's had some drop balls by his wide receivers. And the craziest part yet, this will be the best defense that he's played throughout the season, facing arguably the best college football player in the country and Chase Young coming off of a two-week suspension, essentially two weeks where Chase Young got to rest, recover, and prepare for Penn State, knowing that this would be the game that he would be returning on. And so with that, let's segue into Ohio State. The reason I talk so much on Penn State because there isn't much to say about Ohio State that we don't already know. They're a very good football team. They're very balanced in their attack. Um, They've got phenomenal guys at the skill positions, five stars everywhere. Justin Fields statistically is having a Heisman-like season, 159 for 230, 2,164 yards with 31 touchdowns and one interception. They're also getting phenomenal production in the run game from J.K. Dobbins, who is now the number one running back uh, for this team, right? He was splitting carries um, just a year ago. Now he's the main guy, 183 carries, 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns. And then Chris Olave, as well as a handful of other guys on offense who are making plays. Um, They've just got playmakers everywhere. You know, Austin Mack, KJ Hill. And it's just, right now, like I talked about, I can't really talk or point to any type of vulnerability that this team has. And if there was, right now, I don't think Penn State is a team that's equipped to really expose anything in this defense. They're very strong at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They dominate at the line of scrimmage in the run game as well as on defense. Um, We already saw that statistically. They're not giving up anything to anyone. Just look at it, all right? In the rush game, 67 to Michigan State. In the rush game versus Wisconsin, 83. Maryland, 62. Rutgers, 110. And the only reason the the stats are inflated versus Rutgers is because they pulled all their their starters in the second half to prepare for this Penn State game. So it's not even worth looking into that. Defensively from Penn State, like I talked about, they allowed 91 to Indiana, 121 to Minnesota, 141 to Michigan. 371 through the air, 339 just a week, uh, two weeks ago to Minnesota, and facing this balanced attack, where they've they've had success versus everyone, everyone, and Ohio State's played a really good defense in Wisconsin already. They were able to go for 264 on the ground and 167 through the air, and they really didn't have to pass that much because they were so dominant on the ground, and so. It's just like I talked about, and I will continue to hammer on this. There's just no vulnerabilities in this team right now that I can see. If you can see one, drop it in the comments or hit me up on social media, Instagram, whatever you want to say. But at this point in time, they're playing on the highest level in all phases of the game, in special teams, on defense, and on offense. You can't point to one area. There's just no vulnerabilities in this team that we can see right now or that we've seen from any other opponent that they've played. The only team that I think can, you know, find some success against this defense 
is pro- probably a team like Oklahoma or LSU or Alabama when they had Tua, right? Those are the only teams right now in my mind that are equipped to challenge a defense like this. Um, so, of course, with that being said, no, I don't, I don't think Penn State is going to be able to find a lot of success on offense against this defense. They just aren't equipped with the quarterback that they have. He's just still very young, like I talked about, inconsistent, indecisive, very inaccurate as of lately. And so as far as how I see this game playing out, I think it's going to be dominant from Ohio State from start to finish. I think the biggest factor for Ohio State that makes them a college football playoff favorite is Chase Young. He's just unstoppable. You can double team him. You can triple team him. Literally, you can put him on the front line versus a a front five, and he's probably going to find the way to your quarterback, as crazy as that sounds. And so with that, you're able to send less guys to the quarterback and get pressure on the quarterback while being able to sit more guys in coverage, right? And so when you're able to when you're able to do that, it's just going to make it tough on any quarterback. So you've got Chase Young. They're probably going to rush anywhere from three to four. He's going to be able to get pressure to Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford uh, has been inaccurate, like I've talked about, even within a clean pocket. Now he's going to have pressure coming from his blind side. It's just going to be a long day for the guy. I think Ohio State's going to dominate at the line of scrimmage on offense. They're going to be able to run the ball very successfully, and when. Penn State brings those those safeties and linebackers in and they like to stack the box. Ohio State's going to be able to do whatever they want because they're so dominant at the line of scrimmage. And if and if they don't want to run the ball, they can pass the ball. And they're going to have he's going to have Justin Fields is going to have time in the pocket. Like I talked about the pass rush hasn't been a factor and if the even if the pass rush gets to him, he's a dual threat quarterback and he can take off. And if they're stacking the box, that typically means they're playing man to man on the outsides. So if they're playing man to man, he can hot route them and there's going to be open lanes for him to take off all day. It's just so hard for me to see a way uh, for Penn State to win this game right now. Of course, anything is possible. That's college football. But there's just too many weapons for Ohio State. There's too many avenues and too many ways for them to win this game and not enough ways for Penn State to win this game. Um, And so the defense... I just don't, I don't see them. And even if this Penn State defense gets stops early, they're going to be on the field for way too many plays because Sean Clifford isn't going to find enough success offensively or on a consistent basis to be able to keep his defense off the field enough. And by the time the second half comes around, we're going to see Ohio State pull away from this team. We're going to see them assert their dominance at the line of scrimmage. They're going to be able to start doing whatever they want. Um, and I think Ohio State wins this game 38 to 10. I honestly think it can be worse, but I'm going to be conservative here. I think Ohio State wins 38 to 10. I think a dominant performance. Chase Young probably gets two sacks, a couple tackles for loss, probably a strip. We'll see maybe one to two interceptions from Ohio State secondary and a handful of touchdowns from Justin Fields as well as as J.K. Dobbins. I think it's just going to be dominant from start to finish in all phases of the game. With that being said, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, Like, comment, subscribe. If you got any comments, concerns, or opinions, drop them in the comment section. And uh, with that, thanks for supporting the channel. This is Just Another Critic. Hope you guys have another great rest of your day, evening, or night. Signing off. Peace. His light shine the brightest in the dark. Single mothers know they get my heart